Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 54 with service to Nick Arcade and the Video Zone. We ask that you please fasten your headphones, secure your podcasting device, and remember, for today's in-flight entertainment, we have imprisoned children in a video game. But don't worry, if they win, they get encyclopedias. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Max Singer and Rich Inman. How are you boys doing today? Oh, the the death grip that the World Book Encyclopedia had on gifts for children in the, in the mid '90s. I that struck that gave me such a, a like an intense burst of nostalgia. It like made me need to sit down for a couple minutes. I'm not talking about books today, Rich. The only thing I want to talk about is like video game magazines and. I don't know, odd screen scrolls. No, that's oh actually God. the tagline for the podcast. We're not talking about books today. <laughs> this is not a book club is definitely one of our taglines for sure. Um, well, boys, this week we are taking it back to the 90s and talking about Nick Arcade. But before we dive into 8-bit arcades, hormones, and trips to Universal Studios, it appears we have a fully grown man insisting he is a contestant and has to make it into the video zone. Our returning guest is a game show developer, comedian, writer, and the co-host of Pod Leadum, a week-by-week episode recap podcast for america's next top model please welcome back jw crump jw yeah. welcome <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the kind of intro that the kids gave on the show uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> jw storm the video zone where are you on january 6th <laughs> Well, JW, thank you again so much for joining us. You actually brought Nick Arcade to us, um, yes. and I found it I found it pretty funny because, like, uh, in a what seems like a non-related note, uh, college football starts this week, and what better way than talking about a show that also traumatizes children? Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but JW, what's your relation to this ridiculous game show? I mean, I've worked in game show development now for many years, and one thing we're constantly talking about, because truly, there's just only so many games that exist in the world, and we're all just trying to remix them over and over again. And I cite this game show often as having the one of the best, most clearest set of rules. And it was like, the game itself was better than they had the ability to make it. And I find that fascinating. You know that Ira Glass quote about, like, you know you're an artist because the thing you're making is never up to your actual standards? That is Nick Arcade every episode. (laughs) They have such good ideas, and they just can't make it across that goal line. What a Virgo thing for, uh, for Ira Glass to say. (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing and well, jeff I, when you said college football i thought you were going to tie that into uh video games that no longer exist oh, god. <laughs> oh my god oh, my goodness. one day one day Oops. i'll be able to play a video game that also has our university in it i want to um, play a game where i was the stanford tree <laughs> I posted a poll about this to see if other friends of mine remembered this, and the messages I got were like, I used to wake up just to watch this show. This was it. Uh, This was the game show I wanted to be on, and I found it fascinating how popular it was. The nostalgia burst I got, even just seeing your post on Instagram, was insane. Like, and then not (laughs) we're not even talking about watching this episode. Um, Before we dive too deep into nick arcade um max can you tell folks what this podcast is all about 
Here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous, or in some cases, infamous shows. We learn about how these shows came to be and were originally made, if they're effective pilot episodes and making us want to watch more, and if they can be made today. Go back and stream all of our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts from. Tune into our YouTube page to see our smiling, digitized faces. <laughs> and if it is your first time flying with us, then welcome aboard. You got and a really good in-flight entertainment system today. <laughs> Thank you again for all the people that joined us from the John from Cincinnati episode and just kept coming. <laughs> there are so many people. So I mean, just countless. We cannot thank you enough. I mean, I, I bought a I bought a Ferrari with the ad revenue from that episode. <laughs> thank you guys all I, for sticking around. I will actually say there is a great comment that is underneath that YouTube video that I highly I recommend people go and find. And, you know, as to why that episode resonated with our TV pilots license frequent flyers, uh, some things we know, some things we don't damn it well max thank you so much for that explanation rich what is your question of the week well i do remember i i think the nostalgia burst for nick shows in general and nick game shows specifically is it just feels so strongly to me and like it's not something i really remember any particular episode having uh like a hold over me but it was just something that was so like important to my childhood memories and i want to know what game show do you think carries the most cachet of being on as a child that you can bring up to a person that you meet right now like what oh. show what show is like oh my god i can't believe you were a kid on blah Easily. JW, go for it. Easily. Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yes. Yeah, you mentioned you. legends. I had a fraternity brother that was a silver snake, and he still had that shirt. And every time he wore that shirt, everyone, everyone, regardless of gender and sexuality, flirted with that man. It was just everyone was just like, you're a silver snake. Gotta get on it. Like, it was the funniest thing because that shows one that you actually got to be in an adventure but also you could lose so early and there was such <laughs> uh, i love that show i feel to like that show you can mention they're, they're eliminated in five minutes of being on tv is so yeah. fucking funny to me was it weird jw when olmec came to one of your guys's parties and drank too much <laughs> <laughs> he's a lightweight max it was weird he, he told some stuff from history girls. that was inappropriate <laughs> Max, I'm curious, is there any other shows that you can think of other than uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple? I mean, the short answer is no, but because uh, I don't want the segment to end already, I actually owned a Super Nintendo Guts game. Yeah, and Guts. so right game. I do think that that is a show that had a cultural cachet that expanded beyond TV. Like, obviously, Legends mm -hmm. has had reboots you know in the last couple years it has such a history behind it but i think that at the time guts expanded beyond just being a tv like children's game show it was like this multimedia thing that honestly I i'm surprised hasn't come back because there's so many competition shows involving people like throwing themselves over inflatables and foam rocks and things like that that there's no reason to not bring it back um, I would not do well on it, though. No, just I'm going to throw that out there right now. I coughed the other day and I threw my back out. Like I could not do guts. <laughs> yeah, guts uh, really walks so American Ninja Warrior could run. Oh my god! Um, so for me, there was one that really resonated with me, and that was Figure It Out, um, which was 
such a fun show because like sometimes uh for those who don't remember figure it out it was like a talent show basically for children and then nickelodeon celebrities had to figure out what the talent was uh in a yes or no question game it was basically Um, kids to tell the truth but yeah also with physical activities yeah but the (laughs) The best part was sometimes the talents were so bad. Like, I, I distinctly remember one child's talent was they played cow bingo a lot, uh, which if you don't know what cow bingo is, I it's a cow is. walking around a field and wherever it poops, that is a square that's marked off. God, I love uh, the South. I love, I love where I'm from. So, yeah, highly, you know. I, I just, there was a small part of me that was just like, I could be on Figure It Out. I don't know what my talent is yet, but I could be there uh, and look at Keenan Thompson and we'd share a moment. <laughs> Wasn't the host of that someone named like Summer Sanders? Am I making oh, yeah. up a name? Oh, she was yeah. an Olympic swimmer. Oh my God. Really? Yeah, Summer, uh, Summer Sanders was an Olympic swimmer. That was, that was like, that was her transition out of, wait, hold on. Let me make sure a hundred percent that I'm, uh, I'm getting that right. Because no, you're, you're correct. She is a former competitive swimmer and Olympic champion from the yeah. 1992 Olympics. She won in Barcelona. What a great career because I would have, I would have just thought she was a game show host. Like she was really yeah. good if I remember correctly. Yeah, she and won I, four Olympics, uh, four, four Olympics, four she Olympic won all medals of them. in she 1992 in Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine if Michael Phelps was hosting a game show now? What game show is that man hosting? Oh my God, give me Ryan Lochte hosting any oh, game yeah. show. Yeah. Oh, I've never wanted anything more. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Ryan Rich. Lochte ought to tell the truth. <laughs> Locked in love. There we go. I'm Ooh. done. <laughs> oh, no. oh, uh, Rich, God. do you have any others that uh, bring you know some nostalgia to mind? Oh yeah, uh, I gotta go double dare because the sure. image yeah. of kids reaching into that giant nose that they brought and Nickelodeon doesn't do anything better than an obstacle course. Like I, they really, they'll throw it into anything. Clearly, Nick Arcade, they'll throw an obstacle course in anything. There is, they have kept a lot of set designers in in uh, in fur coats and big mansions with uh, with with obstacle course design. Um, but yeah, that was like. For for me, Double Dare was it. Obviously, Legends is like, you know, that is the kids game show. And if you can break out that you were on Legends of the Hidden Temple, you immediately win any party in college. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was it for me. Double Dare and and the sequel Double Dare 2000. Well, what I was going to say about Double Dare was that was a show that I thought the normal version of Double Dare was family Double Dare. Yeah. And I didn't realize until later oh. that the original game was just two kids versus two kids. And then because fam- the family style makes so much more sense to have four teams of four instead of just two, as we'll learn in this <laughs> game show, sometimes just pairing two rando kids together doesn't make for chemistry. <laughs> I, I have one that I can't stop thinking about, but it doesn't really have cultural cachet. So I didn't want to bring it up earlier, but now it's just like only going to be on my mind for the next hour. If I don't, please, do you remember, do you remember Jep? Like the extreme children's oh version of Jeopardy where like, if what? you got questions wrong, they would slime you and lock you in a cage. Yep. Yeah, I do. Now Now that is uh, striking a note with me, and that's terrifying. 
We should bring that back. We we should uh, yeah, we should bring we should, it uh, back. <laughs> we should lock some of these adults in, in, in slime them and put them in like weird like yeah. barriers they have to get out of by I, answering Jeopardy questions. I know that uh, current Jeopardy is having a lot of a hard time bringing back the same amount of audience since Alex Trebek has passed, and they've tried finding a host. This might be the key, Max. So uh, yeah, let's uh, start working on that and. I'll make a call to Maya Bialik uh, and see how she feels about it. <laughs> well, before we take too d- deep of a dive into Nick Arcade, a quick word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Erica. And I'm Cassandra. And we're the hosts of Trashy Trashy. We're a podcast filled with trashy news stories and garbage people. Did you leave the scene of an accident to go tanning? Do you refer to wearing the strap down on your Crocs as sports mode? Have you ordered Domino's online before they even open in the morning? Are you switching the same AAA batteries from your TV remote to your vibrator instead of just buying more batteries? Or are you normal? Check us out wherever you download podcasts. (laughs) Welcome back. Um, (laughs) Let's talk a little bit more about Nick Arcade, but before we do so, a quick synopsis. Two teams vie for a chance to go inside of a video game. That's it. That is the synopsis that Nickelodeon has provided, and I think it is very, very descriptive. No you notes. can't tell me it's ir- wrong. It's an yeah, accurate it's, description. <laughs> it is It is perfect. Uh, Max, how did this thing get made? All righty. So today we are talking about the premiere episode of Nickelodeon's Nickelodeon Arcade, which originally aired on January 4th of 1992. And we're going to be talking about two childhood friends turned co-showrunners by the names of James Bathia and Karim, uh, Karim Matef. Uh, they got to know each other in high school before both going on to work in entertainment. But Thea's history at Nickelodeon actually began with him being an on-camera talent for the show Livewire, which was Nick's attempt in the 1980s at a current events talk show before becoming a PA on PBS's children's television workshop shows like Sesame Street and The Electric Company, and then later returning to Nick as a pop culture segment producer on the weekly variety program Total Panic. Uh, but Thea was able to get old high school pal Madoff a segment producer job on video game content at Total Panic as well. The two originally pitched Nickelodeon the concept of a video game-focused version of Total Panic, which was rejected. They then decided to retool the concept as a game show. Nick was interested under the condition they could form a concept that could easily film four to five episodes a day. Both barely 25 years old, Bathia and Madaf were not only the game show's showrunners, they were also responsible for designing and programming all of the technical elements of the show themselves because no one else knew how to engineer a video game. They found host Phil Moore through becoming a uh, like basically a crowd warm-up comic on mm. shows like Total Control, Wheel of Fortune, oh. and Let's Make a Deal, although he actually started his life as an aeronautical engineer and was working at a computer library at a data center in central Florida when he first tried his hand at Bonkers Comedy Club, becoming friends with Daryl Hammond pre-SNL. Wait, okay. So he got this job (laughs) from essentially working at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. (laughs) Well, no, and then from there, he became a stand-up and became a crowd warm-up comic. Oh my god. Yeah, what Rich, a, didn't you hear Max say bonkers? Come on. <laughs> Keep up. Yeah, come on. It's the Bonkers Comedy Club of Central Florida. <laughs> <laughs> to bring their idea to life, Bathia and Madoff designed the largest blue screen ever used in production at that time, got Nickelodeon to dedicate a 10,000 square foot set half of which was used just for various blue screen setups. (laughs) But beyond the blue screens, 
their biggest logistical nightmare was none other than Mikey, their little animated avatar. Oh. Because they couldn't predict what directions and in what order contestants would choose to move Mikey on the board, the operators would need tape machines for every directional possibility. Over the course of three pilots, the show is able to move on to brand new technology, the video disc player brand new from Pioneer, allowing them to burn all the tape machine rolls onto digital, including visual effects and sounds we see. Despite all of the obstacles, and that's to say nothing of FCC concerns about the Mikey video game board being rigged, the network's concerns about promoting a sedentary couch potato lifestyle, and video game companies attempting to strong arm more commercial content out of the showrunners, this game eventually made it to air at the start of 1992, and I am excited for a chance for us to win some fabulous prizes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to dive into this. I just want to make sure we have a clarifying note. There are a lot of different versions of this pilot that you exist. You could do a month's at- worth of the pilots. Of yes. Nick Arcade. <laughs> because there are the, but we are specific, specifically talking about the first Phil Moore episode of this show because he is the host that is the most associated with this show. Yeah. Bonkers um, legend himself, Phil oh, Moore. <laughs> so Boy, let's see his name spray painted on the wall of Bonkers. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> so let's press start on this video game show. And we start off with one of the largest exposition dumps I have ever gotten. But, like, JW, I think... You I'm sorry, this it- is hype as hell, though. Like, the smoke, the <laughs> announcer, true. the three people that you've never met before that are your newest enemies, this is wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just have literally exposition, what the fuck are game wizards, video zone, question mark? Like... And I, and I guess Murloc. Don't ask about what Murloc is. <laughs> I I guess JW, when you look at this as a game show and having worked on developed yeah. game shows, like what are your thoughts when seeing like this much exposition at the beginning of this potential pilot that went on to have a few episodes? Yeah, I think that the nice thing about it as a kids game show is it really does read video game forward very quickly because Mm -hmm. what's one thing that everyone knows about video games even if you don't play them video games have bosses and essentially this is like here are some bosses look at these in my opinion pretty cool designs and they're very Mm -hmm. they're very different and basic and original so it's like these are understandable bosses but they're clear like scorcia doesn't exist but you understand fire woman you understand magician. You understand uh, uh, riskily named Mongo, which I'm glad was not the boss of this one because I was like, ooh, I know what I would update right away. Uh, but like the smoke, I love that the kids are during the exposition, the audience of kids are behind like a fence, yes. like a barbed wire fence situation. Yeah. It, it's very good to me, Jeff. It's very good mood setting. Like, you sure. get the vibe of this show right away. Yeah. All, all of the lines of the exposition sequence feel like things that a producer would have to yell at a network executive for them to try and understand it. So, like, where, where's where's the video zone? It's a place between our world and the video dimension. <laughs> don't, oh, don't, okay, don't okay, but like, Don't see it. Okay, but, like, what happens when they get there? They gotta compete against the game wizards! <laughs> Um, 
<laughs> so after this Oh my god. After this gigantic exposition dump, we get our theme music with just an electric guitar riff that fucking slaps. And then we meet our contestants, but not before. And this is where I think the nostalgia set in for me. Just seeing a audience that is only made up of children. Yeah. Um, which is just such a 90s thing and such a Nickelodeon staple of just seeing like a bunch of kids going insane over yeah. the idea of being I on TV. I love unsupervised children on TV. That's like, that's, that is the screams chaos. And did y'all clock that one young kid? She had like slightly long crimped hair and she was looking dead at the camera and following oh it God. while everyone else was looking where they were supposed to towards the set. She was just like... <laughs> While, while we're talking to the audience, when they pan across in the end credits, there are two teenagers in the very front row, mm-hmm. one of whom is wearing a backwards snapback and the Hell sickest yeah. Georgetown Hoya starter jacket I've ever seen. <laughs> and then his buddy, who's definitely like 17, who has a Chicago Bulls bucket hat with like half undone light acid wash overalls over Hell a white yeah. hoodie. These dudes look fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> Put them in 2023. Put them in 2023. They're doing just fine. I was going to say, know. every Gen Z kid is dressed like those two in the front yes, row. absolutely. At and I, I do want to mention something, too, that, like, this scene, or, like, just panning across the, the audience for this, was... It was kind of like a nice feeling because this is what kids were like when they didn't have cell phones around them all the time. Mm-hmm. Like this is like none of them were ready for camera. None of them were had to put on. None of them knew how to behave in front of the camera or anything like that. You see the girl ch- tracing it with her eyes and there and stuff like that. Like I, I have to imagine a studio audience of kids right now. It'd be so performative. Everyone would know precisely what to do. They probably have like a stage mom kind of thing going for them. Like, uh, it, it was honestly kind of nice just to see kids like not really knowing how to react to all this stimulation, all these cameras and everything. So amongst all of these children, we got to have one adult and, uh, we get introduced to this adult as the only man to beat Sonic the hedgehog in a hundred yard dash, which first of all, that's an insane race. No one does a hundred yard dash in any shape or form, but we meet Phil Moore, our bonkers host that we've talked about on first impression. What are your thoughts of Phil? Other than he is wearing one of the weirdest outfits I have ever seen in my lifetime as a whole. Let me say this. Also, I think a shout out to the announcer, Andrea Lively. I love their like perceived chemistry. It truly, <laughs> there feels like she could all be pre recorded, but I actually love the choice for a female announcer. Mm-hmm. There was something really interesting about that, and it almost felt like they were like buds in a way. Um, but this was that Nickelodeon used to do that because Mo was the guts announcer and she was awesome. Like that used to be a thing, but. To me, no one works harder on this show, even though, as Max let us know, a lot of people worked very hard to do this show <laughs> than Phil Moore. Because Phil has to keep this train on the tracks. And this show, if it was fully live, I would believe you. Because 
there are no second takes. We'll talk about it. I texted Rich because they make such an insane mistake halfway through the show and then just have to correct it live. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) And like poor (laughs) Phil Moore is just sitting there with teleprompters and cards, just like trying his darndest to keep this train on the tracks. Yeah. So like, let's even get to that. We meet our first two people. Uh, I'm using people very specifically. So we meet Brian and then we meet Brian's competitor, a 55-year-old man trapped in a 13-year-old's body <laughs> named Richard. Uh, Richard looks like every time during a presidential election, there's a town hall. It's like, meet this undecided voter. Yeah. <laughs> and ri- Richard, <laughs> I am... Richard, Richard, at 12 years old, God, is already so more beaten down by life than, than most of us are right now. The, the T-shirt... Tucked in to jeans with cruel a belt, cruel. Richard looks like a forty-five-year-old plumber from Illinois. So we're getting dangerously close to describing me. So let's calm down a second. <laughs> so to give the audience some perspective on what how this works, they're going to play a video game to determine who has control of the board. Um, and An original video of, game too, created yeah. for the show. Well, no, it's it's, it's not original. Pog, it's not yeah. Pog. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not Pog at all. We we get to these two compete. There's some points awarded, and then we get to meet our contestants. Uh, so in today's episode, we have Brian who likes to draw cartoons. Yeah. Uh, we have Amy who's been playing softball for four years and is a shortstop. Um, we have Nicole. This is where Nicole. I realized Nicole is my hero. <laughs> I lived and breathed for Nicole. Nicole so, is a cold motherfucker. <laughs> Nicole like, is nothing behind those eyes, but hate. <laughs> so Nicole's interaction with Phil Moore was the first instance where I was like, Phil has never hosted a show. This is the first time he's meeting these children for mm-hmm. sure, because the interaction of how do you make all that money to go shopping with? And then, <laughs> and then she's like, I babysit sometimes. And then he's like, ah, yes. I think he said America's favorite pastime using our parents' money. I cannot which is believe insane. that an adult man went to a young girl and based on national TV said women be shopping. <laughs> no, he tried to do the opposite because he was like, I see here, Nicole, you just love to shop and, and talk on the phone or whatever. And she's like, uh-huh. And he was like, huh, no stereotypes here. I was like, what (laughs) are we doing? His crowd work at Bonkers was legendary, I just want to (laughs) say. So then, oh my god. We can't blaze through this. Hold up, Jeff. We have to talk about Brian from the yellow team. (laughs) And the fact that this kid's braces are causing him to not be able to say one word out loud. (laughs) Phil literally is like, what do you like to draw? Which is the easiest softball of a question in the world. And he literally goes, and Phil's like, got it, champ. (laughs) It's the funniest show. You can see Amy who is the most normal of the kids every so often be like, the fuck is his problem? <laughs> I have never seen two pairs of teammates with more disdain for each other than Aunt Nick Arcade. More you know, loose high fives with no chemistry when they do something correct. There, there is a point where Red Team Richard buzzes in and gets a question right and then wipes his non-buzzer hand of sweat on his cheeks. <laughs> 
not even his Once buzzer again, hand that's getting clammy. So, this is really what being 12 is like. This is like uh, if someone put a camera in front of my face when I was 12 and had an entire studio audience of screaming children, I would have wanted to kill myself on live TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, just let me into the video zone. Just speak, let me into the video zone. Speaking of someone wanting to kill themselves, let's talk about Richard a little bit more. So, Richard... <laughs> Richard, what what was Richard's uh, the fun fact about him? He likes to read, and uh, then Phil Moore basically is like, "You're a Trekkie, right? Like, just just go out and say He's a it." Trekker, a Trekker, <laughs> yeah, definitely a real one term. take show, baby, one take show. And yeah, this is it was just wild to see, like, because normally, and I think we've gotten so accustomed to now the idea of these hosts who are meeting with their contestants. Previously, they have a lot more information about them. They get to meet with them maybe like five minutes before in certain instances to have conversations. There's a producer who's guiding them yeah. through like how to talk on camera. <laughs> yeah. And then this has none of that. And you're making it children as well. So they have no idea how to talk in general, which is just this was bonkers. And God bless Phil Moore for honestly keeping the art of talking to children live. Like, I, I do not. They picked the absolute right, like, precursor mm. oh, role, yeah. like, job to this, like, uh, for this. It was so important. One of my first jobs on a game show was to be the pre-production interviewer for the contestants. Sure. And I will say there is a very distinct range on how good people are on camera. And I was mostly with adults and most and some celebrities, like, some names. So it was easier than the average, but... Um, the people who are the absolute best at it basically needed no coaching pro wrestlers pro oh, yeah. wrestlers know how to talk and that. improvise on camera like nothing mm -hmm. i would ever believe they honestly taught me things like by the end of the conversation i was like oh, i was like yeah you you can do whatever you want like you're fine football players god bless them needed so much help oh, i'd be no. like and when they say how are you you say good <laughs> and then <laughs> and then explain why good right guys <laughs> they just got nervous because they're not used to, their job isn't talking they're pro wrestlers they're always talking i do remember That's i was listening to an interview of lauren michaels uh a, a little bit ago about like his favorite people to have on as hosts at, at snl and it's always athletes because the bar is so low for Wayne Gretzky and Peyton Manning and Michael Jordan, that if they get one good line in or one good sketch in, they're like, they're going to be a legend there forever. And every so often you get a LeBron James who you're like, oh my gosh, you're really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, who's uh, there's, there's one person right now in the NBA who's actually like has a regular show at the comedy store. Like he'll go up. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. He, he will oh, yeah. actually He's hysterical. stand up correctly. That doesn't like he, surprise he does me. As well. hmm. So, I, as much as I'd love to talk about which athlete is the worst <laughs> on camera, uh, let's uh, move forward with a little bit more on what is going to be happening in between playing some of these challenge video games. Uh, we are meeting our video adventurer, Mikey, uh, who is going to walk across a board with the goal of hitting the goal. Uh, but there are four P's that we got to know about. Um, anybody remember the four P's? Rich? Oh, God. Uh, puzzles, pop quiz, prizes, and... Points. Points. There ah, you go. You. Uh, but watch out, boys. 
uh, if you hit an enemy, you lose control of the board. Mikey's enemy, the bully, titled Game Over, who we never actually got to see once in this episode. This show has so many things that they were like, watch out for this big bad, and then they just never came up. Truly the worst thing about this pilot episode, and honestly, I think they should have shuffled this to a later episode, was that you don't hit the you don't hit the bully, you don't hit that character, so you don't know what that rule what happens. You had all summer to figure this out. You had all summer. Well, let's talk about the map, because the map in every episode is going to be the same grid, like three by six grid, but they're always themed. And for the first episode, they decide the first map we'll see is not just Mikey's neighborhood, an actual one they use in later episodes, which is such (laughs) a clear like pilot thing. No, it's Mikey's neighborhood in the distant past. (laughs) So we don't know what the neighborhood looks like normally, and they're showing the dinosaur version of it. But but then on the opposite end of that, they're like, now we're going into the distant future. So we just have no idea what the fuck Mikey's neighborhood looks like as a whole. Max? I don't, I just, I don't know anything about Mikey. Why should I care about Mikey? I'm not getting any exposition about him that makes me connect to the character. Also, I just love that his bully looks like every like 80s movie bad guy where it's like the big duster jacket like the kind of like pug nose face like it's it's very reminiscent of every single 80s family movie bully mm-hmm. ever also i'm just gonna say it why was it mikey named nick or nicky mm. or any of those things Couldn't like right i stuff. don't understand where mikey came from <laughs> god that's such a good question like so as we move forward the first and we are on this board, we start with a pop quiz where the question was about Marilyn Monroe, which like <laughs> was just absolutely insane. Of course, Richard knew it. He, he was, was alive. alive when she was, <laughs> he was there. <laughs> he did it. Who do, you, who do you think prescribed her the, the sedatives? Um, it was Richard, the doctor. <laughs> oh, then we get Inman. Then, then we get this video puzzle, which was actually like at the time, I thought, like, a really fun game where it was like, hey, guess how many marshmallows Fillmore puts in a joke about. This is a professional marshmallow guy, you guys. So don't do this at home. <laughs> guys, I have I have really bad news. Um, Apparently, immediately after putting 14 marshmallows in his mouth, no. that kid died. No. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> he, he really did. I remember the, the moral panic behind Chubby Bunny when I was, like, a kid. There was, like, you, yeah, we, kids were playing Chubby Bunny where you try to put uh, marshmallow in your mouth. You try to add marshmallows to your mouth, and if you can stop saying, if you can't say the phrase "chubby bunny" anymore, you're out. And and I remember that like it was like a big thing, like it was on the news or something like that. That some kid died playing this game, and there yeah, it was it. the kid on Nick Arcade. <laughs> <laughs> remember when we could just talk about that shit on the news, and we didn't have to worry about like people, you know, bombing the capital or any it, shit like it's that. It's almost razor blade in the caramel apple season. Oh my god! <laughs> or free free weed in the uh, in the uh, trick or treat bag season. Let's talk about gameplay for a second because this video puzzle I loved. I think this is what makes Nick Arcade unique is they have these fun little like video moments. However, this particular thing could have been fixed so much easy because what they do they set it up as you're going to predict how many marshmallows 
our now deceased marshmallow eater is putting into his mouth. Mm-hmm. And they have little, they have literally those, there's like erasable etch-a-sketch pad things mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the magnets They're and the so whiteboard. Cool. I love those. And the, the woolly willy technology. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I'm like, great. You estimate and who's ever the closest, they get the points and they move on. But then they make, they say it's either four, 14 or 24 and i'm like you just ruined the game because clearly it's 14 four is nothing (laughs) and 24 is clearly impossible and so they both just guess 14 if it's four it's not a talent yeah (laughs) that's a snack my friend (laughs) for a show that's all about video games and you think about video games button mashing high stimulus levels this pace of play moves (gasps) glacial it is such a slow pace of play every single time a kid gets a question right and they ask him what time what direction to move mikey oh my god there's like there's like three full seconds before a kid goes uh right and and it it just like it takes forever and we get the kids will discuss it the kids we will got, have a full discussion when they can only have go in one direction. And I'm like, what are you talking questions. about? We got three questions in before we ran out of time. We never even saw the bully. And poor Phil here is trying to do banter when he has to yell pencils down at the marshmallow question. He says it in a big, goofy voice, and it is dead silent from the audience. Phil keeps trying to crack jokes that are getting no response from those kids, and it's killing me, the silence. This pilot, you, you could not convince me that they had any idea idea what editing software was or like editing tools were Couldn't afford because it. like a hundred percent i think they literally just had four cameras and they were just like let them run and we're gonna just smack the footage together don't cut any footage we need 23 Spend minutes all the money on that video disc player from pioneer i was talking about <laughs> um our i first... think this is a Go interesting point not to cut you off jeff but i watched a very late season two episode because there's like 80 sure. something episodes of this because i truly the timing thing max took me out every single time Mm -hmm. because i was like this is why it's basically live and with game shows when the main thing we do is cut out all the breadth of the episode right and future episodes mostly do this like it's a lot of stuff where the showing the board at the end where he's like let's show the whole board that just automatically comes up there's a lot of things they took out the timing but the one thing they never took away is how much damn time it takes for those kids to decide the direction. <laughs> and it drives me insane. <laughs> what are they talking about, right? Like, what's the, what, what, they, it's they random. have no idea. Uh, I was just like, do they know something I don't know as a 32 year old man about this board? Like, <laughs> there's a, there's a moment somewhere in this pilot that I think their applause sign, um, stops working <laughs> because at a certain point because uh, uh, like leading up like the first couple like gameplay moments of this pilot they the crowd goes insane but only for a very very specific amount of time like whenever someone gets points they're like if someone got 25 points oh my god everyone's throwing their hats around everyone's screaming it's crazy and then at some point maybe about 10 minutes into this pilot they don't do it anymore and it's and it's no, like for anything, there is no crowd involvement. There, they either like had to scrap it and do it again the next day without a crowd, or their applause sign stopped working. And those kids were trained like a dog to to applaud to go nuts. They're like, if someone screams, if someone gives out an answer, we will send you back to your families, and we will we will pin a note to your jacket <laughs> saying that you ruined the taping of of Nick Arcade. So. Max, you mentioned the slow po- 
uh, pace of play and like very much there's a lack of video games other than the beginning we get the most ruthless part of this game next when uh our favorite the person who has no idea how to play a video game i am convinced (laughs) nicole does the video challenge and then the Not fact only that does... they get to choose who plays the video game from their team and Nicole, the moment, y'all, literally the moment Nicole said, I'm going to be playing, I actually screamed out loud. I went, Nicole! <laughs> and then, and then, if I may, they get to pick from five real video games. Five real video games that they got permission to use. That's too many choices. That's too many choices. I agree. These kids can't pick four directions. Don't make them choose five (laughs) video games. (laughs) And then Nicole, queen of queens, picks the most famously difficult video game on the NES, Battletoads. And I was like, what are we doing? (laughs) Nicole really, really came out with the confidence of saying, like, I know that my partner has the is the mental equivalent of a 50-year-old suicidal accountant. I'm going to play this game for our future. So, Nicole didn't play that for her. She didn't play it for her teammate. She played that for every 13-year-old girl in America. <laughs> but not only that pressure, right? Richard then has to look at Nicole and like suss out like, how good are you at this video game? I can wager all of our points. And he goes... Nope, don't trust you. Only a third of our points go to you. Richard, I think, uh, he might be the only 12-year-old that's ever been divorced. He just, like, he has, <laughs> he has that feeling. He has that feeling. This poor kid who is, like, clearly, like, please do not film me anymore. Please stop. So, after this game, um, we find out Red Team wins. And, uh, JW, Rich, you were talking about it. There was this gigantic error as we went into round Oh, to be clear, Nicole two. loses Battletoads. Oh, yeah. Horribly. She absolutely. She only scores... She had to beat 10,000 points. I think she only scored, like, 800 or something like it that. It was so fun. And to hear Phil have to give commentary while they're playing, and he's starting to say stuff like, oh, not a lot of points yet. <laughs> she still got a chance. He said at one point with seven seconds, he was like, "Yeah, still, she still has a great chance of winning this." Absolutely no, not. she doesn't. Because somehow, Battletoads, you get less points the further you go, which is so I love it. Before, um, but yeah, then they just get teleported to the end goal. This was another thing they fixed in later episodes. I noticed where more spaces were just you get twenty five points and then you get to immediately go again. So they got to go further, but they go to the goal. It's a question. I think Richard, of course, gets it because I'm sure it's a question <laughs> yeah, about the, the 1920s. Only one <laughs> and then, yeah, he's like, the entire time, Phil is like, it's worth 50 points. This is the only thing worth 50 points. And then they give them 25 points. And I sat there <laughs> so genuinely confused. They're like, did I mess up how the video game earlier worked? Like, I was so, and I was like, but the red team's the only people who've gotten anything. So I know they earn points. And then they come out of commercial, and I texted Rich about this. I was like, Rich, I cannot wait for you to see. <laughs> because poor Fillmore, hero of heroes, someone who has worked on Love Island, someone who has written for some of our best game shows in later in life, had to go, so we made a mistake. 
<laughs> and um, the red team, we and, like you can see Richard's furrowed brow furrows so f- much further. And then they ju- he says, "So we're going to change it to 100." And then I swear to God, we sit there for 10 seconds before they change that score. And I was like, "You had three previous pilots to figure out how this works." So after this amazing mistake. Or before this amazing mistake, we get to continue to see Nicole's video game prowess um, by watching her play their version of Pog, um, and which she just gets absolutely murked by Amy. Oh, softball like, Amy crushes her. Yeah. She, like, literally it's destroys. A- Amy's got that eye-hand coordination that you can only get for years at the, on the mound. But I feel bad. Our- I feel like Amy's actually would have been really good at this. And then she got if imagine a Richard Amy team Ooh, dominating. Be, oh, they, they would be all stars. They would also they wouldn't hate even, each other. They they would not be friends at all. It no. would be like Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan on any sort of team. We are just here purely, purely. I had to bring some form of sports in to denertify this a little bit. Purely yes. here for business purposes. No, we got sports already. Amy plays softball. It's been well established. Yeah. <laughs> So we get our second um, round of this board and like a few things that happen. They try this instant replay game that, I mean, it didn't go great. Uh, and then it was Richard. A, went- I was actually wrong, though, when he asked. It was like a magician trick. And he asked, like, how many special magic swords did they use? And I was like, one. And then Amy was like, two. And I was like, oh, Amy, you dumb dumb. And he's like, yeah, that's right. And then Phil doesn't know if he's right. So he's like, let's watch it again to make sure because I could be wrong. And then they just watch it again. And Phil's like, ah, Amy was right. Phil second guessing himself live on air is delightful. Every single cue card this man reads, like he is seeing it for the very first time. And I guarantee you he was, Max. (laughs) While we're talking gameplay, though, really quick. I just I just need to vent about this. Yeah. We spent so much time talking about this damn game board. We spent so much time talking about Mikey's neighborhoods and all of their eras. We spent so much time explaining all of the games, a bully we never see. In two rounds of game board action, we get a total of five squares. Yep. <laughs> we get yeah. five questions, five squares in two full rounds of your main thing. How does that happen? We don't we don't see half of the features on the board. I don't think we ever saw like the bobs or traps that were in there. We never saw the game over bully. We never actually reached the end. We got five total questions. That's excruciating. Well, Max, you need folks to turn tune in to see the bully actually do what he's supposed to do. Speaking of, why do y'all think genuine question? Every time Mikey left a space he left a bomb behind why well, was that like the spaces mikey's had, mikey, mikey had been Irish. on would... <laughs> so, and this is like at the height of the troubles <laughs> oh, God. but i was like what an odd choice you could have just x'd them out you could have put footprints but no you put a bomb everywhere that mikey walked in his own neighborhood I genuinely, to give you a genuine answer, JW, I think it was, as we talked about, like, the technology of Mikey was one of the most troubling things for this video game. I think they literally had no idea what to do if a kid went back on a space that they had previously been on. And this was a way of making sure that, like, 
a red you, X you, would have sufficed. You better not fucking go on that space. Like, just like, and the only way we can get you to do it, if you go on that bomb, you don't get to see your parents again, like, sort of mentality. Yeah, the, the, C, the CEO of Nickelodeon, Face, is like, if these dum-dums keep going back and forth, I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> um, so, at the end, our red team wins. Uh, because... Main reason, Richard did not miss a single pop quiz. He got he every misses. single one because he has 40 additional years of knowledge over right. the other <laughs> children. Um, but our uh, yellow team does go, go home with some prizes. Uh, they get Skechers footwear. Hell yeah. when, when I saw the Nesquik ad, I <laughs> lost my mind. I literally was just like, holy shit. Yeah. I cannot believe. I have not seen this Nesquik ad in like 30 years. The fascinating thing about the uh, consolation prizes is they say, let's take a look at your fabulous prizes, but then they give them the sponsors and don't actually tell them what they won. We know they got <laughs> something from Skechers yeah. and something from Nestle Quick, but we don't, don't know it. what exactly it is. <laughs> A lot of vouchers, I feel like, got mailed out for like $25 yeah. off a pair of shoes for these kids. $25 so, off shoes. Oh, God. Now, the red team, because they've won this, they're, you know, they get to go on to the video zone that we've been talking about and potentially face one of these bosses, the the wizard or not the wizards. Um, the, I think yeah, game, game wizards. masters. I think the wizards, game the master. main guy, and the masters. Game are the master, bosses. game wizard. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Wrong. It's been like three hours since this game started. I forgot what they are. <laughs> so, for folks at home, um, basically, these two children get one minute to complete uh, as many tasks as possible in two separate video games. Whatever time they have left, they will then go on to face one of the the big boss um there are 50 also they get 50 dollars for every item or every task that they complete they sort of just like threw that in there under the radar um i want to talk about the prizes that they would win for each level yeah. let's talk first about of it. all the karaoke box did anyone get what the name of the karaoke box was it's my favorite new name for a karaoke box. It's called the Sing Alone Star, which makes it very, very sad. To uh, I'm like, in, in Japan, they call it karaoke, but here in the good old USA, it's the Sing Alone Sing Box. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right, that sounds vaguely culturally culturally erasive. Let's see what let's see how this goes. And then we also get um, if they win the second level, the World Book Encyclopedia. Uh, because, you know, Wikipedia was not a thing. Uh, yeah, but Richard spent most of his adult life going door-to-door -door selling these. I don't know why he needs another copy. <laughs> I knew I recognized it for some documentary. So, as soon as we begin, this was like putting ourselves into the 90s. I actually love this section. Oh, wait, and the big the prize, game. if they were to beat the whole thing. Oh, which, yeah. Spoiler, they Go don't. It's, it's the classic Nickelodeon trip to Universal oh, Studios yeah. in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah Richard's going to take his kids. And it'll be great. <laughs> Pack so, it up, Medivan. <laughs> let's talk about this, like the actual video zone. Max, you talked a little bit about the technology they used. They had these blue screens to be able to do it, and they had these sets built out. The first one that we see Richard on, um, it almost reminded me of like they were doing oh, what's that video game that uh, Among Us? It was like almost like a 
1990s version of Among Us. It was like a factory. He had to go through. He had to do all these little small tasks to be able to get through. Richard crushes it. Let's just be honest. He like he absolutely dominates this video game as quickly as he climbing up those ladders in his adult life to get on the roof to clean the gutters. (laughs) There is something truly surreal about watching these blue screen video games play out because it's at once. Very imp- like if you were a kid watching this, all you would want to do is do this. It looks so oh, yeah. interesting to be a part of, but because they are clearly having to look at a screen and most of the goals are just touching things, yeah. it's a lot of running to a part of the screen while you're looking straight ahead and then waving your arm frantically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, how do you know out. if you're getting hit by something? I know your power well, goes down, but it's like so vague. <laughs> I. I'm glad you bring that up because after Richard crushes it, Nicole, Nicole's that's, that's, that's the only way I can describe because they literally have to reset the full level. Like they run out of (laughs) level (laughs) and they like, we're not even talking about Fillmore vamping about how these children deserve to be here. Like that was a statement that (laughs) came out of this man's mouth that I had. I was just like, did, did we think they didn't deserve to be here? Like, was there, I'm going to continue to argue that Nicole, Nicole doesn't deserve to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Nicole was a saboteur. I I have a question for you though, JW, you were talking Mm -hmm. about how like in, in some later episodes, they tighten up some of the cues and the, like the segment to segment time. When we start this video zone final yeah. challenge and Phil says they're going to enter the video zone and when we see them next, they're going to be digitized. And he stands next to a TV monitor with nothing on it for no fewer than 10 seconds before oh, they yeah. pop up. Do we eventually cut down that time? Because it takes so long between them entering the zone and when we start to actually see them. And that could have been such a quick cut. It was actually fascinating to watch. And I think this is kind of like Legends of the Hidden Temple, where after a while they started having to change the rooms because people had watched the show and kind of memorized what to do. Mm -hmm. Because there was this team that like went in and in those first two levels, both of them individually crushed. And you could tell they already knew what to do in the level. And then they went to the boss and essentially in the boss, which we don't get to see, there's always three things the two of you have to touch and it kills the boss. One girl camped, the girl of the team camped at one, and the other guy did the two on top. And unfortunately, they kept getting hit because the guy wasn't dodging enough, essentially. But I was like, oh, you can tell that they came in and that girl was like, I'm going to camp at the one. Every time we reset, I'm just going to like, bam, and then you just do your best. And it's so funny because poor... To their to her credit, Nicole is the first one who's ever doing this yep. theoretically. Yeah. So she's on the weird one where you just jump and duck, and like good luck with the hit boxes, I guess. But they, it's so much more tighter. It's almost like watching a different show. Max that at the end. To moment, answer your question. That moment of Fillmore hearing the music start for the video zone, but having nothing show up on screen and having no visual eyeline into whether or not they were ready and on the obstacle course, we'll see. I, my heart rate went up like I was <laughs> about to go on stage. It was <laughs> it was so 
nerve wracking for me to wonder if they're going to hit their cues in time <laughs> because I don't, I didn't see any visible like headset on. I didn't see anything that would indicate that he's getting cues from his production team. And I, I'm just like shocked that they actually made it in in time because I really thought they were going to mess. Those are the 10, ten of the longest seconds of my entire life. So <laughs> that, yeah, Nicole failed. They get, a sing-alone uh, karaoke box. And that is our pilot. Um, with that said, any things that we loved about this pilot that we maybe did not discuss? Well, one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up is I think the basic gameplay and the way the scoring works is truly some of the best kids game possible there's mm-hmm. some quick stuff i love that you bet on the video challenges mm-hmm. i think that is fascinating and kids such a good idea the other episode i watched one person just did 10 points it's like it doesn't even have to be in units of 25 like yeah. it can be whatever you want and that and that person won that girl won the video game and her partner was like oh damn it i should have like bet everything <laughs> but i think it's a perfect game where it does always feel like it's moving and there's things to do and the scoring makes sense. And it's always close enough. Even if people are dominating, I love that both kids have to be involved equally because even at the end of the day, they both have to play the opening same video game. I think it's a really well-designed game that truly the technological and budgetary limitations just kept it from being this like, perfect little thing but also it's almost more perfect that it's so jacked up the entire time sure yeah 100 percent. rich what about you any things that you loved about this oh god i mean i think there is the ability to showcase just an unending uh, number of arcade games for this like i mean if i'm of course i'm going from a business perspective on this if I'm a video game designer, you better believe I'm sending a free machine over to Nickelodeon mm-hmm. Studios to like, to put it on there because like, yeah. you, you get that TV exposure, instant uh, instant more sales. Um, Imagine but, if they got a video game on the show before its release, and this oh, was a preview oh, level. Yeah. That would be, be incredible. Wait till JW. Wait till we talk about Legacy because that was something that actually happened. And oh, I can't cool. Wait to talk about it. Yeah, they, um, they really they really anticipated well the importance of like I, I think they did a good job of like building up the the cool factor of video games because I think like at this point it's starting to go from nerdy to fun or mm-hmm. like nerdy to like more broad acceptance. You have a lot of the consoles coming out at this time. Um, a lot of the consoles that like end up having massive sales records and stuff like that come out around here. And I think it's just so smart that they, that they did this. And I'm, I don't recall seeing any more episodes than this, like I don't, more, any specific ones, but like, I think Phil Moore is doing the best he possibly can. I think he's really holding the ship together. He's really trying to vamp. Max, what about you? I think for me, it's that, with them investing so much in this blue screen technology and this dedicated soundstage, they are only limited by what they can digitally create. And it's not about physical set restrictions or what you can actually manufacture and work. Like you can take this gameplay to so many places if you have the right artists. And mm. that's fun because like there, there's so many different types of games involved. We see we see playing video games, we see trivia, we see strategy, we see physical play. And 
that that ability to like take this game in so many directions in theory is is really fun obviously it's very clunky in this version we watched today but you can tell there's potential there if they tighten it up if they work on the cues if they get some of that like where you're looking and how you use that rudimentary old blue screen tech like there's so much potential here yeah and what i would say is like we've talked about how well phil moore did given the circumstances of what he was given um as a whole and like credit where credit is due they could have brought in a super seasoned um host to do this with kids like at this point in time nickelodeon had plenty of them mm-hmm. uh walking around they could have just brought in someone and just been like yeah it's like the ryan seacrest of our uh, nickelodeon universe who just hosts everything um but yeah like i i love that this is a new fresh face that they brought on and who seemed to do really well with what they were given um let's talk about wait a minute moments um and you know what like i'll I'll start um i think that we (laughs) talked a little bit about just pairing two random children uh with each other um don't do that don't like it i i understand that it's hard to find duos and that makes production a lot more complicated but like you, you want to have some chemistry between the children. Maybe they did that in the future. Cool. But like at this point in time, I'm pretty sure that uh, Richard put out a hit on Nicole using his 40 extra years of experience in uh, going on to the black market and finding someone who wronged him. Um, That's what JW, they did, what- though. My friend who was on Legends of the Hidden Temple said p- the random pairing. It's just mm-hmm. what they did. It's just insane. It's yeah. insane to me. But that's a uh, Nickelodeon thing. Because like you look at yeah. other things like uh, Family Feud. They all know each other. Supermarket Sweep. They're pairs who yeah. are all friends and know each other. It's just such a Nickelodeon thing to try and, I guess, like bring these kids together and show like all these different people coming together to work as one. But like, no, you need people who know each other for the camaraderie and for like that teamwork to actually pay off, I feel like. Just to I even have say... one fist bump land. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. The high... I cannot get over these high fives where it was just like. I think it's about the level of excitement that you can bring up in these kids too. Like, I, I, like I can tell that they're still getting the feeling of how how am I supposed to be hype? You guys don't even really know what this show is yet. Yeah. That kind of thing. Like the, the, they visibly look scared on camera, which is like totally normal. They're children, but also, uh, I don't think they are super stoked on the prizes on the actual game of it. There's like, there's, there's needs to be another Fillmore for Fillmore to pump up this crowd better. hundred percent. Um, any other wait a minute moments? Yeah, I think it's just it's it's to sum it all up. Does anybody want to be here? <laughs> <laughs> because none none of these kids show any enthusiasm when they win challenges or get points. It's the most like milk toast high fives with their teammates. The audience doesn't laugh at a single one liner or funny voice that Fillmore does. You got to be thinking like in his head or in the green room. He's like, man, that would have killed a bonkers. Like. <laughs> Does, does, I can't believe I left bonkers for this. Does anybody want to be here? And I don't <laughs> know if they do. Amy seems here to play. But. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Poor justice for Amy. I hope she got to come back at some point and just get on a team with someone who could talk. <laughs> JW, do you have any uh, wait a minute moments on this pilot? 
I mean, truly, we talked about it, so I'll be super brief. But just when they gave them the wrong score and then had to correct it, truly, that's such a magical moment to me that you just do not see in super polished television that there was something endearing about it. And the other episode I watched, that a very similar thing happened where Phil was just calling a kid by the wrong name for the first two minutes. And he's like, I don't know why. I'm crazy. I don't know why I'm saying Alex. His name is Ryan. Ryan won that first round. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> this show Alex improves but never really studio. changes. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, And it's so funny. His confidence gaslights me because with the points, I was like, I must be wrong. This would never yeah. air on television like this. And then with the name, I was like, I must be reading that name tag wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. Um, um, I, I do want to say, like, for, for my wait a minute moment, there is... Um, they didn't teach the kids like how to hit marks on stuff. Nope. Like there is one, there is one moment where uh, Nicole steps up to play Battletoads and she's fully facing the wrong way. And poor Fillmore, like every like physical interaction with these kids is so like visually upsetting and he doesn't want to do it he's like look it's an adult man i'm only touching their shoulders and giving them high fives but there's one moment where she has to like be corrected to cheat out towards the camera and i'm like do a little bit better of a job so phil doesn't have to do this on essentially live tv where he has to like physically interact with these kids because he doesn't want to do it and i don't think the kids want it either and And, like why would nicole think she's just going to step up to the thing he's like okay you're going to play this game she's like got exactly. it it's like the one time she did the right thing she's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no 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 honey <laughs> so we do have an in-flight question uh today that i want to get into and the question was what video game current or past would you want to dive into the video zone on um oh. which is such a first of all i think just to make it a little bit simpler Think about the dynamics of what technology we're working with here. Uh, I don't think we're given any guns or props or anything like that. So what current video game do you think would be a fun video zone um, addition to be added on? Um, Max, I'm going to start with you. I I want to do a video zone version of Untitled Goose Game for Nintendo Switch. Oh, where I get yeah. to be hell I get yeah. to be the goose terrorizing uh computer animated props for a chance to earn points. Let me be the goose. <laughs> Rich, what about you? Uh there's a game that's been going around for the last couple of years on VR systems that's like a virtual bar fight where the um where, where the the uh the like gravity doesn't really exist in in a way that we like could co- possibly comprehend like people's faces are being and bodies are being bent out of shape or even yeah i mean that's after a couple beers you someone. know yeah you're like able to pick up like a jukebox and throw it at someone like it's it's like a crazy it's a crazy thing i think it'd be very fun for kids to just like rack up points being like violent towards weird like anti-gravity cartoon kid or cartoons jw what about you uh, Dream Daddy. However, <laughs> I would not be able to air now. Um, you know what's funny? The first thing that popped into my mind was Donkey Kong Country, just because Ooh. I feel like a lot of it is just kind of jumping and those noises, like ah, like picking up a barrel and like tossing it. It feels very wholesome in a way. Yeah, 
Um, so I went a little bit old school. Um, I would love to see children running around like the video game Tapper, uh, which I don't know mm. if you guys remember. It was oh, a yeah. beer oh, game. Oh, yeah. You're a bartender. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you are you are a bartender, but they called it a root beer so that children would be okay playing it. I would die seeing kids basically just like throwing glass or like plastic <laughs> like root beer things and trying their hardest. That'd be the funniest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> well, thank you for that in-flight question. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that, how to submit those later. Let's talk a little bit about the legacy of this show. Um, two seasons of the show, 84 episodes. That does not include the three pilots uh, as well as the uh, unofficial unaired pilot that you can find if you look really hard on YouTube. Um, in 1991, um, Phil Moore was actually the only African-American host of a game show uh, and wow. was a warded, a, uh, invited to the NCAA NAACP awards. Yeah, you better uh, get that one right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he also received a Cable <laughs> Ace Award. Uh, and a Heisman, for, apparently. For their work on... Uh, <laughs> God. For their work on uh, Nick Arcade. So, a couple of things. We talked a little bit about, like, the idea of debuting a video game on this show. Um, there was one done by Nintendo uh, by the name of Super Mario Bros. 3, was debuted during Sick. that uh, video challenge uh, yeah. segment, which what? is absolute with the, with the raccoon suit, Tanuki Mario. <laughs> yeah, so they did that. <laughs> it was the only time Nintendo officially put a video game on the show. That's um, cool, which though. Is, that that's, yeah, it's that's really cool. That's really they did that with Super Mario Brothers three and that movie The Wiz or The Wizard. Yeah, The Wiz, The The Wizard or whatever it was. No, the, the, the Wiz the is a musical. Glove. The Wizard the, with was the glove. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, <laughs> yeah, that glove that never worked. A um, couple of other things. Some of the guests on the show, uh, Joey Fatone of InSync fame, was a yep. competitor on the show. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, they also did crossover episodes with uh, the cast of other Nickelodeon shows like hmm. Clarissa Explains It All, Welcome Freshman, and Salute Your Shorts, uh, which is so much fun. There was a Spanish version of this show uh, that did not do too well. Uh, it was it was called uh, Zona de Fuego. Uh, oh, that's Zona fun. De, Zona de Fuego. Um, so very fun. Uh, there was an attempted revival of the show in 2015 on Kickstarter. They did not reach their goal. Uh, they they had set very high aspirations. Um, but oh, what I, did they have Richard and Nicole play? <laughs> <laughs> They're the um, producers now. They're married. It's a twist. I, Richard is 93 years old. <laughs> I w- I wanted to go into also, some I'm, of this. Hold t- up, hold up. I'm sorry, oh, Joe. Go I'm gonna. <laughs> That's not how you reboot a television show. You can't just kickstart a nope. television show back nope. to life. Someone owns the rights to it. I'm going to guess so, Nickelodeon. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought that up because they didn't. So it was James Bathia and uh, Karim um, both basically both proposed a spiritual successor. It wasn't going to be Nick Arcade. Yeah. Uh, it was going to be called Nth Level. Uh, and they were like, oh, hey, we're going to have... Fillmore hosted again and all this stuff like it's it's not Nick Arcade but it is Nick Arcade yeah. uh, and they they set a goal of $350,000 on Kickstarter and did not come anywhere close to that oh, number so that's not even shooting for the sun that's yeah. like <laughs> that's 
that's that's an attainable amount for people who have a nostalgia for the show. Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about like if we think the show should exist today. Uh, because I'm really interested in hearing your answers. But I agree, JW. This is definitely not the way of getting something like this back on the air. This sounds um, like one of those things where they they pitched this to a couple of people, didn't like the answers that they heard, and were like, well, we'll just do it ourselves. And mm-hmm. that's just, you still have yeah. to sell it after that. Like, <laughs> So there were 84 episodes that were officially aired of this show. Um, there were a total of 22 grand prize winners of this show. Um, so about like a... 25-ish percent hit rate, which, like, not that bad considering. That's about how much you want them to win, honestly, because then it feels attainable but not often, you know? It's like once a week if you're doing all your filming in in the same week. I think when we did Top Chef, it was like one of every three competitors might win the show or, like, might beat the Top Chef. So, like, that's a a solid statistic as a whole. Um, but yeah, it puts in some chance. It's like, will they win the trip to Universal Studios or, uh, one of the other grand prizes was going to space camp, which it's is always like, space camp. It, it's dope. It's so like sick. who doesn't want to go to space camp? Florida yeah. um, tourism, just racking up those dollars. But that's really the legacy of this show. You can find it. Uh, if you look online, uh, you can find it for free actually on a major social media network, uh, and go and look for it. Um, but Rich, it is and if now. If you want to legally get it, the whole thing's on Paramount Plus. So if you've already got a subscription, it's there. Also, yeah, that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, Rich, it's time for your game of the week. All right, we're playing Get Mikey Out of This Episode. <laughs> I have not devised a board for this. You will just be answering trivia questions. There is no chance for prizes or money. Uh, and I would just want to, I want to give you guys a couple uh, trivia questions specifically right. about video games. Down. <laughs> I was about to say you're robbing Jeff, Max, and me the ability to mumble endlessly for five seconds and then go right. Wait, 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 wait. We've not had ninety minutes of that already. Like, wait, let's talk about this. Why couldn't you go diagonal on the fucking board? Why couldn't you go diagonal? You know what's fascinating about that other late season episode I watched? He says that real clearly. He was like, you can go up, down, left, or right, not diagonally. And I was like, ooh, oh, someone got a network now. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you little shits try to play with Fillmore, you, you will get Fillmore. You understand? <laughs> you will get filled in. All right, that's enough. All right. <laughs> I cut Rich. my teeth at bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the Florida version of playing the Copa? Oh my god. Rich, let's proceed with your game and try to get Mikey off this board. I'm so sorry. I've, I've never wanted to censor this podcast before, but filled in was a step too far. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. All right. Uh, I'm going to go around the horn uh, for uh, to get us out of this episode. And if we get uh, th- or four trivia questions right, we will, we will end it. Um, all right, Max, this one's for you. What console selling 155 million units is the best-selling console of all time? Is it the Nintendo 64, the PlayStation 2, the original Xbox, or the Nintendo Switch? Uh, PlayStation 2. PlayStation 2 is correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, next one is for you. Nintendo, the company synonymous with home video gaming, originally operate or originally opened by selling what? Televisions, toaster ovens, groceries, playing cards. 
television toaster ovens groceries and playing cards oh my god jw's gonna lose his mind don't you nicole us don't you fucking nicole (laughs) us jeff (laughs) i don't play video games anymore this is the problem um (laughs) richard has a family do it for him (laughs) i i am going to guess toasters uh oh it is playing cards the, oh uh, no i threw the groceries one in there because that's how samsung started they were originally oh, a grocery yeah. Oh. yeah uh they originally sold noodles now they sell everything um well, right, now GW. mikey's dead <laughs> are, are you happy game over got him <laughs> and he beat the ever-living crap out of him it was violent <laughs> <laughs> all right jw uh this next one's for you which of these Great. pokemon games is fake pokemon let's go eevee pokemon dance pikachu pokemon ultra sun and ultra moon and my pokemon ranch the the second one b yep that is correct dance pikachu yeah. Yeah. oh because the rest are right over there <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're actually running out of time, so I'm just going to go back to the final question. Who I hate you. <laughs> go to the goal. <laughs> All right, uh, this one I guess you guys can figure out together. Uh, what what video game commercial featured the song "Happy Together" by the Turtles, Super Smash Brothers, Halo, Grand Theft Auto, or Half Life Two? Um, I think it was Super Smash Bros. I'm like almost 100 percent sure of it. I mean, happy that was my instinct because Happy Together it like makes sense. Because the... it's bringing all of these yeah. other video I, game I'm characters like, together. I am almost 100% sure it's Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Like, I want to guess it now just so Je- Jeff has redemption. <laughs> that is correct. It is Super Smash Brothers. Let's fucking go. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, congratulations, Mikey. Mikey <laughs> that sort of energy. That's, that's what we needed from the children. Well, Rich, thank you for that game of the week um our flight's coming to a land uh it appears we are nearing the video game zone or the video zone uh and i have two questions for each of you and that is would you continue watching this show based off of the pilot and do you think that this does show deserves a reboot deserves a second chance um jw as our guest i'd love to hear from you i think this could actually be a really fun show to watch with like a group of folks it's it's the kind of thing that you could almost really easily come up with a very simple drinking game to because it's 100%. consistent but also wild at the same time. I don't I think this is so perfectly 90s. And you know I was I was also here for Jim and I feel like I had the same thing where I was like Jim only works in the 80s. It is mm-hmm. so 80s and I feel like I'm also now saying that this is almost too 90s to bring back. I actually think in some ways video game technology has progressed too far that Mm. this wouldn't be intriguing to look at. We'd just be like, yeah, I got a VR, I got an Oculus at home. You know? Yeah. So, But I would definitely continue to have, like, I watched another episode and I'm like, this is very good low-stakes viewing. Um, Max, what about you? As far as this pilot goes, for all of its faults and for how clunky it is and how just atrocious the pacing is, it it draws you in and there is something just so like spoon fed comforting about this that, yeah, I, I think the gameplay is fun and it definitely makes you want to watch more. I think it's effective at what it does for any audience, whether you're a kid 
engrossed in the actual gameplay or you're an adult watching it in the modern era looking for a nostalgia factor of things you grew up with could it be made today no i mean esports dominates the landscape like actually competitive video game playing is a billion dollar Mm -hmm. industry now with massive celebrity investors and huge tournaments happening at like basketball arenas around the country i think that the novelty of competitive video game playing just doesn't carry any weight anymore like esports have just kind of killed the notion of rebooting nick arcade rich what about you uh that those are great points i i couldn't agree more i i think like the esports um takeover of how people watch and consume video games is like really killed the novelty of it like it's hard to it's hard to convince kids to tune in to watch kids playing video games when that is the entire basis of twitch mm-hmm. and oh uh, sure i think mm-hmm. that is uh that 100% that is uh like where we would where this uh desire kind of falls off um would i watch another episode if it's edited better for sure um <laughs> if it's not i, I promise the other episode like... i watched rich was way better i think maybe oh, just good. skip to season two if you try again <laughs> yeah. that's perfect yeah if, if, as long as it's it's doing a little bit better in that way i'm honestly curious to watch the super mario brothers 3 uh episode that would be super fun to watch or one um, of the ones with the clarissa explains it all cast come on yeah that's oh, awesome. hell yeah uh, and yeah. Joey Fatone. And Joey yeah. Fatone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? I am actually going to go against the group and say that I do think it could be made today. And mm. I, the only reason is because the amount of people who work in game design and development now would be able to come up with a solid amount of like brand new, fresh games for people to try to figure out how to play in the moment with a with a VR uh, like element to it, and I think like the augmented reality and VR uh, like nature of how these games are being designed now would lend itself to a lot of fun moments for kids. Like they are for kids, and it's not just the same like I don't know ten zeitgeisty games that everyone's trying to sure. beat at the same time. It's a new thing that they're discovering in the moment, and I think if you do that, if you like utilize some of these game designers to come up with something brand new each episode, I think that does lend itself to like more fun and more like maybe even video game tie-ins. Like I feel like uh, a lot of these companies would be down if they know that they're going to get a new audience of eight-year-olds or whatever to play a particular game. Like, whether it's on an iPad, whether it's on a console, they want that to they want that to happen. So I think the funding would be there too. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think just the uh, the number of developers, the number of like game software engineers at this point have fully reached the point where we could have new stuff every episode. So I'll I'll round us up with I definitely would watch another episode of this hundred percent. I think that. Um, it was fun. It brought like a sense of joy that like a lot of game shows don't bring, uh, mm. other than when we finally do baggage, which is literally one of my favorite things oh, in the world. Wow. And it's not really a game show. Oh, um, I love that game. Uh, I love so, that everyone's baggage is just slipped with a dude one time. <laughs> <laughs> it was Richard's second game show. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but as far as, watching or this show existing in the future i would love 
to see a version of this now, but I want to take a slightly different angle, Rich. The amount of celebrity that is associated with streamers these days mm. is wild. Um, just a few, Cutie Cinderella, Pokimane, uh, Ludwig, um, Squeaks. These are people that like... I'm sorry, I thought you said celebrities. No, those are, those are, those are just words. These are people that have hundreds of thousands of people watch their streams. Um, like the world was caught up on, like there was this video game called Only Up that caught the world's attention because everyone was trying to break the speed running record for it. And thousands upon thousands of people for weeks were just trying to dominate this video game. If I'm a network executive, I want a piece of that. I want a piece of that every single time. And I don't think that this is a show that you have you have the same people on, maybe you have an occasional celebrity episode or something like that. I think this is something that you almost do as like a big event, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like have that, what, in like back, there were Battle of the Network stars back in the 70s, right? Do Nick Arcade, but for once a year with some of these big time streamers and make it a gigantic tournament that can capture people's attention during the middle of the summer when there is no watchable TV on, because you're going to get the attention of these gigantic streamers audience. And then maybe if there's enough, it becomes something that you do every year or you do smaller versions of, with non-celebrities uh, in the future. But Jeff, I think we'll, there... uh, we'll form our, our production company out offline after this. Yeah, exactly. I think there is a version of this show. I think that it would be super silly not to approach one of these big streamers and say, hey, you want to host a TV show and it will fit right down your alley? Because, yeah, a lot of them want to get out of streaming mm -hmm. every day. That's a grueling schedule. Yep. And this could be a really easy way to make that Phil Moore-esque transition into your next career. Um, but that is our episode. And before we leave, and as our plane comes to a land, I'd love to know where to find each of you. First of all, JW, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. The returning champion. Yeah, thank you for bringing this. I'm so excited that I did an 80s thing and a 90s thing. And if I ever round it out, if I ever take one last flight with y'all, it needs to be a 2000s show. And it will feel like I've done every decade that was important to me. <laughs> oh my god i uh, can't wait for the uh for the third episode for sure but where can folks find you is there anything that you'd like to promote for sure um i am on instagram it's at jw underscore crump because i didn't get my name fast enough and it's on <laughs> on tiktok it's at jw crump okay um if you want to you know watch uh we're in a strike right now so i'm not uh currently working but the most recent thing i worked on previous to the strike aired back in march on vice and that was super maximum retro show it was a uh one season show about um retro clips that is available on amazon prime really fun stuff from the 70s 80s and 90s so if you like this podcast you probably like retro stuff um, check that out. I very famously did a game about Brooke Shields. Very happy to hang oh. my hat on that. <laughs> um, and yeah, and you wanted Jeff, you earlier before we started, wanted me to talk about a series on TikTok that I did. So I'll talk about that real quick. I am fascinated with all these um, old 90s and 2000s shows that are now doing their podcast so that they can get their iCarly reboot. <laughs> and so they're trying to drum up a uh, uh, interest by reuniting and doing episode by episode recaps and so i 
devised and filmed again pre-strike though it's releasing now um fake clips from a fake podcast about a fake 2000s teen show (laughs) it is so funny it is one of my favorite things when it comes up (laughs) thank you and my favorite thing and it was my goal is sometimes people on tiktok will be like is this real (laughs) i don't understand (laughs) because we play it so straight and i asked the actors to only respond in character so when they comment they say stuff like that was a grueling day on set and all the and it's it's my favorite thing and i got the biggest compliment this is the biggest compliment for any writer people think it's all improvised and I'm like, oh, honestly, yeah. not a word's improvised, really. Yeah, it's all awesome. written, scripted, and the actors are just excellent. I got to bring together some of my favorite people. And Aaron. since I knew the strike was looming, I wanted to do content that was just social media. So it didn't, it was something that could uh, air and I could share without, you know, breaking any strike guidelines. So that 100%. was important to me, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, Go and find JW. So it's called Literally Jessica. It's at Literally Jessica. And that's the name of the fake show. And Jessica does not appear. That's so good. She's waiting for for Jessica. Rich, where can uh, (laughs) folks find you? Uh, You can find me trying to uh, uh, usher Richard back from his smoke bag into the video zone. (laughs) You can also find me on Instagram at Damn That's Rich. You can find Max and my... uh, sketch comedy at dad wagon comedy on tiktok max what about you all right in just a moment max is going to tell us where we can find him on all things social media (laughs) (laughs) devastating (laughs) all things platform wise at maxwell sick uh, and you can find me talking with my accountant, Richard, uh, about <laughs> how to be saving money uh, a little bit better. But if you're looking for me on social media, you can find me at Run Jeff Run. You can find the TV Pilots license anywhere you listen to podcasts, as well as social media at TV Pilots License. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram for a sneak preview of some of our upcoming episodes. But with the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, welcome to the Video Zone. (laughs) 